This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Okay, how how many of you like this shirt? (laughs) I think Josh's shirt must be better. Well, I have one announcement that I'd like to make before we get started, and that is uh, tomorrow is my wife Marlene's birthday, and I was wondering if we could get everybody to sing happy birthday to Marlene. (laughs) All right? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Happy birthday, dear Marlene. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) So we made a public spectacle of you, but the private part we will not tell them. (laughs) How old you are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we're we're in a series of... uh, Meetings, and we're in a series which is called the Color Collection, and uh, we talk about different people in the Bible and the color that they bring to our knowledge of God and our walk with God and our experiences with Him and how He works with us. And uh, in in this particular one, I'm doing one which is called a story within a story. And uh, so anyway, the, the story within a story, the big story is the one that goes from 1 Samuel 16 to 2 Samuel 24. That's 40 chapters. And we should be able to get through that before dark. <clears throat> but it, but there, it, there's more bad news than that as we go on, and you'll see in a minute. But uh, at any rate, um, this big story is the story of David how he rose to be king of Israel, the battles he had with Saul and with the Philistines and with others up until the time of his death or in those 40 chapters. The story within the story is about Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, who we will soon see is a type of redeemed sinner. Uh, On your sermon notes handouts, you'll need to add one more line on the back side down at the bottom. And uh, that'll be a point that we'll be adding on today. And that is called escaped final, escaped a final judgment. So you could write that down here, escaped a final judgment. And if you want the scripture for that, that's 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Okay, escaped a final judgment. 2 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 9. Uh, This story of Mephibosheth is one of my favorite stories. Some of you know the story. Uh, Many do not. How many in here know the story of Mephibosheth? Okay, how many of you are not familiar with Mephibosheth? Okay, quite a few. We don't hear him preached very much in our churches, and one famous preacher explained why one time to his congregation. He jokingly told them that he had, uh, he, for years he didn't preach about Mephibosheth because he couldn't pronounce it. <clears throat> but it's really quite simple. It's pronounced just like it's spelled. And it's spelled just like it sounds. Right? Does that make it any easier for you? <laughs> uh, 
It's only a four-syllable word, Mephibosheth, all right? Most of us, as kids, could say five-syllable words, like refrigerator. <laughs> so this is not that bad, right? <laughs> uh, okay, now, sometimes somebody says, well, maybe it's Mephibosheth. And I've heard that before, but fortunately, there's some Bibles that actually spell it out like a dictionary would, and they they break out the syllables, and they put the accents in the right place and stuff like that. And so I've seen several of those, and it is Mephibosheth. And what really settled the issue for me was when I was listening to the Bible on tape, and Alexander Scurby, that great baritone announcer, was talking about, he was reading the scriptures to us, and he came to Mephibosheth, and that's the way he pronounced it. And I thought, okay, that seals it. (laughs) That's it. It, If he said it that way, then it's got to be right. Did you know that there, are, there is more than one Mephibosheth in the Bible. How many of you knew that? Anybody? Did anybody know that? There's more than one Mephibosheth in the Bible. One was the son of Jonathan, son of Saul. The other was a direct son of Saul through one of his wives. The second one was executed as payment for Saul's breaking a covenant made with the Lord, which we will talk about a little bit later. But our focus today is on the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. Okay, Dave, so why do you say it like that, son of Jonathan, son of Saul? Well, that's because the scripture says it that way. And that's so that we won't confuse the two Mephibosheths. Okay? Very practical. Well, this story of Mephibosheth is a beautiful story. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful jewel that's tucked into amongst the pages of scripture. And as a geologist, I always enjoyed finding rocks that when I broke them open, I could find in the cracks or in the broken pieces or in the, in the empty spots that are inside of it or, a, or in between the layers. You could find sparkling jewels that were minerals in crystal form. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I got such an interest in geology. <clears throat> so... Uh, these beautiful crystals, they grow inside of rocks. And I learned to recognize where such treasures were likely to be found. Well, the story of Mephibosheth is just like that. It's a sparkling, priceless jewel tucked away in the pages of Scripture as a small story in the big story of David. And they are connected. As I read the Bible several times before I realized that, I was, that uh, what was going on with Mephibosheth... And I found that his name was sprinkled around in the second chapters of in the chapters of Second Samuel. I was intrigued, so I decided to dive in and study it out. And it turned out to be a great blessing. First of all, as background, let's talk about the big story, David. The story of David extends over forty chapters in First and Second Samuel, but another twenty-two chapters is devoted to David in Kings and First Chronicles. That means there's a total of 62 chapters about David in the Bible, which is more than any other person in the Bible except for Jesus Christ. So it's very, uh, very significant. Uh, And in it, this is the setting in one of the biggest stories that is in the Bible. That's where we find the setting for one of the shortest stories in the Bible, that of Mephibosheth. So as you recall, going back with the background, you recall that Israel's first king, Saul, 
had sinned so much against the Lord that Samuel announced to him that God had rejected him from being king of Israel and that the kingdom was torn from him and would be given to a neighbor more worthy than him. That's found in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-eight, <clears throat> And that the Lord would not change his mind on this. And that is found in the next verse in verse 29. The prophet Samuel then was sent by the Lord to the house of Jesse to anoint one of Jesse's sons whom the Lord would reveal. The Lord did not choose any of the older seven sons of Jesse. And Samuel asked if Jesse had yet another son. Jesse replied that the youngest was tending sheep and Samuel told Jesse, fetch him and no one can sit down until he arrives. Now that's a command. Go get him, fetch him. And that word fetch is used another time as we'll see. But it's a strong word that means go get him. It's not an option. It's a command. Come and no one sits down until he gets here. So Jesse uh, did that. Uh, The Lord then told Samuel to anoint this particular son, which he did in the presence of all of his brethren and family. And you think about this. This is great wisdom, great wisdom. None of the older brothers could ever dispute that their youngest brother was the one chosen by the Lord. They were all there. They saw the prophet Samuel do this and anoint David. After Saul anointed him, the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. And it is now at this point that we're told in the scriptures what the name of this son was. And it was David. From there, David soon ends up in Saul's house. Notice that Saul is no longer called King Saul in the scriptures after this. uh, Where David's playing of the harp comforts Saul when he is troubled by an evil spirit. Well, pretty soon Goliath shows up and David takes care of him. (laughs) Uh, Soon David has more favor than Saul with the women of the cities of, of Israel. And Saul becomes jealous to the point of wanting to kill him. So what the women were singing was Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And that was what got Saul so upset in the beginning. Jonathan, Saul's son, quickly developed a strong friendship and a brotherly love for David and set about to protect him from his father, Saul. Jonathan's relationship with David led to a covenant in which Jonathan asked David to protect his house, Jonathan's house, forever. 1 Samuel 20, verses 14 through 17. And this covenant is then confirmed again two chapters later in 1 Samuel 22, verses 16 through 18, where we're told a little more about this, where Jonathan revealed that he knew and his father Saul knew that David would be king over Israel and that Jonathan would probably be by his side in that kingdom. That was something I never picked up on until just the other day. So the rest of First Samuel tells us of the conflicts between Saul and David and the wars with the Philistines. And it ends then with the deaths of Jonathan and two of his brothers at the hands of the Philistines and with Saul and his armor bearer committing suicide at that particular battle. Enter the story within. The one which starts in here as a point is belonging to a royal line, but made a cripple by a fall found in 2 Samuel 4.4. This is a little verse that appears almost as a side note. And we are told 
and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel when they were killed. And the nurse took him up and fled, and it came to pass when she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. So that one verse is the first introduction that we have. Sometime after this, David, at 30 years old, now was crowned king of Hebron. Seven years later, after a long war with Saul's house, he captured Jerusalem and became king of Israel, and his total reign totaled 40 years. One important fact that we need to be very clear about is that throughout the nations of the Middle East and Europe and everywhere else about that time, it was the normal and usual practice for a new conquering king to kill all the surviving members of the old royal family so that no one with royal blood could later rebel and claim rights to the throne. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, would have fled because of this. He would have fled the area and gone into hiding, as would have the other surviving members of Saul's family. We don't hear any more about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, until chapter 9 of Second Samuel, which I want to read the whole chapter to you. Uh, not many years later, perhaps 20, David asks if there is yet anyone left in the house of Saul and finds out that Jonathan had a son who was lame on his feet. And this is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So starting at verse 1, I'm reading from the King James Version. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to him for Jonathan's sake? This word kindness is a special word. It's chesed as far as I can tell in the Hebrew. And it, it, is a, it means covenantal kindness. It's a very strong word. So this kindness that's going to be shown to Mephibosheth by David is for Jonathan's sake as a, as a covenant. Going on with the scripture, and it says, And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and when they had called him to David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God? Using the same word, but now it's the kindness of God. And this, we begin to see, we're talking about a type of Christ here. David is acting as a type of Christ. Mephibosheth is a type of redeemed sinner. And it becomes clear with these kinds of words that I may show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, Machar the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sat and fetched him, again, fetched him, that strong word, to the house, from the house of Machar, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now you remember from when Gary Blanchard was here, our assistant district superintendent, about a year and a half ago giving a, a, a talk he, about Lodabar. He explained to us that Lodabar was kind of, really kind of a down-the-dumps place to go. Well, the meaning of Lodabar means no pastures, which means that there's little food available as well. 
And it would be something poverty-stricken. One commentator said the, the, the most excitement that you would ever get at Lodabar was to sit in your door and watch tumbleweeds blow by. So that was what Lodabar was like. That's where Mephibosheth was hiding, from a royal line, from in the line of a, of a king, right? His royalty, and that's where he ended up, in Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. He must have been terrified. He must have been. He was ordered to come to the king. Everybody knew what happened when there was a new king, that all the old royal uh, families were wiped out so that there could no longer be a claim to that throne. And he did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant, humility, submission, and David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness, the same word, for Jonathan thy father's sake. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that you should look upon such a dead dog? And then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertains to Saul and to his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat always at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Deba unto the king, According to all that my Lord has commanded his servant, so shall your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth should be getting the picture here. Now he is being embraced by David in a covenant kindness relationship because of this covenant with Jonathan. And he's now going to embrace him as one of the king's sons. And you start, you start realizing there's all types of typology going on here about how we are walking as Christians, right? And we understand that we're now part of the kingdom of God and that we are now joint heirs with Jesus and that we also have an inheritance there. So you see how all of these, the words and things that are in the Old Testament in Second Samuel, are spelling these things out. And Mephibosheth, it says, had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelled in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelled in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. So it identifies him clearly who he is. He's the one He's the Mephibosheth that's lame on his feet. He's the Mephibosheth who's the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. The doctrine of God's grace is clearly seen in the New Testament, but it is often shown also in the New Testament. And a lot of times we don't see that right away. But as as you become aware that this situation is going on in the Old Testament, it becomes blessing upon blessing because you see everywhere you look, you're seeing something that has to do with Christ. And it's reflected back into the Old Testament. And you see the grace of God instead of the judgment of God. You see mercy of God instead of this judgment of God that everybody thinks because of the Ten Commandments and the rules given to Israel that they all have to, to go this way. But Christ appears all through the Old Testament. 
And of course, in the story of David and Mephibosheth, it's very strongly presented. David was said to be a man after God's own heart. He is also seen as a type of Christ, showing God's kindness and grace to the crippled Mephibosheth. And this reflects to us a clear picture of God's grace to all fallen sinners. Let's look at the parallels. The first one was he belonged to a royal line. Just as Mephibosheth walked with his father while he was whole, so did Adam walk with God in the Garden of Eden. Number two, he's crippled by a fall. When Mephibosheth's nurse tried to flee from the enemy, he was crippled when he fell. (coughs) Adam did fall on his own and became spiritually and physically crippled, even subject to death. And this affected all of his descendants. Number three, Mephibosheth's fall was completely beyond his control. And so are all mankind born from Adam subjected to the fall of Adam, which is completely beyond our control. I remember when I first learned this as a new Christian, and I was having a particularly difficult time at, at, at that particular point, and I was becoming very resentful, and I turned that anger toward Adam. And I remember doing this, and I became very resentful about Adam, that he is the one that has caused all this stuff. I know I caused some of my own problems, but the ones I was going through were a result of the fallen nature of man, the fallen earth, the curse on the earth. And I knew that I was in that thing, and I was resenting David. I was angry at him. And then I suddenly caught myself up and I thought, I can't do this. I have to be forgiving of Adam. So I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, I ask that you cleanse me from this resentment and this anger and bitterness that I'm developing toward Adam for what he did that brought us into this situation. I ask for your cleansing of that and I forgive him. And at that moment... I just felt overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, came over top of me, and, and I felt like I was floating off the floor, and the, the joy of the Lord was with me. He understood, he understood the anguish of my heart, and he, was, and he understood what forgiveness meant, and he showed that to me. <laughs> now, in addition to this, everyone from Adam until now Sometimes, I said frequently in my notes, they're frequently crippled further by tragedies in their own families over which they have no control. Things such as abuse, addiction, divorce, violence, which scar them for life until they experience the healing touch of God. And this, in fact, is what happened to me. I... When I was, I'll go back, when I was uh, seven years old, I woke up in the middle of the night to a great commotion that was going on in the hallway outside of my bedroom. And I went out there and I saw my mother and my father were having a fight. And my mother had a cigarette. We never had a cigarette in our house. I never saw this before. And she had a fifth of whiskey in her hand. And she was all disheveled, and she was dirty and unkempt. And they were having this big argument, and that was the last time that I ever saw her 
except for one small period of time when I was 10 years old for less than an hour. I saw her, and from that point on, I never saw her again. I never knew what had caused this, but I thought it was me that had caused it. I was told that I cried for two weeks continuously because I thought I was the one that caused our mother to leave. I was so deeply wounded that I could not even imagine how deep that wound was until many, many years later. So as the years went on, we ended up moving from Denver, Colorado. We ended up moving out to the state of Oregon. My dad was a doctor. He was, uh, it was a small town, so he was kind of the only doctor in the area. And it, when I got to be about 15 years old, I, I, I thought everything was fine. I didn't know what had happened to my mother and things, but it was at that time I found out what had happened and that my dad had been unfaithful. He was, an, he was a, in adultery with patients. And the next thing I found out was that he was carrying on the same way even then when I was 15 years old, only with my sister and some of her girlfriends from school. I was crushed. I was shocked. I was angry. My father now had turned against me. My father had betrayed the family, the whole family. I couldn't look anybody at school in the eye anymore. I was 15 years old. I was just beginning to become sensitive to girls and in, starting to get interested. And that was, that was shut down. I became introverted. I became so socially inept that I couldn't handle social situations at all. Um, the anger that was in me grew so great. I hated my, my father with all my heart. I hated him. I deliberately failed when I was a junior in high school on a whole bunch of classes. I was, I was almost an A student, and I, and I deliberately flunked a bunch of classes. And my coach came up to me one time and said, David, what's wrong? And I wouldn't tell him. I wouldn't tell him. So I deliberately failed. Little did I know that this let the enemy in in a way that failure then came in, and, and failure was something that I had to fight from that point on. <clears throat> and the fear of failure came in, and I had to fight that from that point on. So my dad died to the relief of the whole family. <clears throat> The estate went bankrupt. We had to sell everything we owned. <clears throat> the only thing I didn't sell was the cat. <laughs> um, gave it away. <laughs> I didn't think anybody would pay for him. <laughs> but it was really a good cat. Uh, anyway... Um, so the, the pain of everything that we had gone through, I was in college by this time, and I was alone. No mother, no father. I was alone. No friends. Um, and uh, I graduated, went into the service during the Vietnam War, and I remember going through about six, seven, maybe eight years of times when every time that a holiday came by, Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter or any of these things, I had no family to go to. Everybody else had family to go to. They would take leave and they would go there. And I was alone. And the loneliness that set in was crushing, absolutely crushing. I had nightmares about my dad. 
for years I had nightmares about him. And then one day, and I think it was due to the fact that there was a, a good friend of mine that was witnessing to me all the time. I remember in the middle of the night, I looked up at the stars and I said, God, if you are really real, would you take a message to my father that I forgive him? And from that point on, I had no more nightmares. It stopped it. And it was a short time after that that I was able to accept the Lord and he changed my life dramatically. But then all these wounds, these inner these inner damages that had been done. It took years to work these things out. And the Lord worked them out patiently, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And each time one of them came out, it felt like I had a, a, a severe case of the flu. My bones hurt, my muscles hurt. Yeah. And then it was pulled out, and then it was ah, a great relief. And then there was another one that he started working on. And as I recognized what these things were, and I got prayer for them, I even got deliverance at one point. And uh, it was greatly helpful. So I got delivered from this as a result of my Christian life. I was crippled. I was crippled from the, not only the fall of Adam, but from the fall of my own family and the fall of my own dad. And it was crushing. My sister had electrical shock treatments to her brain several times. She went through five husbands before she got one that would stick. My brother went to Vietnam discharged from the army because of drugs. The whole family was crushed and broken. One by one, they saw what happened to me. They came to the Lord. And things changed. Everything changed as a result of that. Many of those things that happened to me were beyond my control. But I had to come to a place of forgiveness. Number four, living in exile from the king. Mephibosheth was in fear for his life since he was of the royal blood of Saul. And so, and so is each unsaved sinner living apart from the provisions of the creator who gave them life. They have a fear of death. After I accepted the Lord, that was the first thing that disappeared. It took about two weeks and I suddenly realized I no longer had a fear of death. It was one of the proofs of salvation to me. Uh, number five, he was remembered because of a covenant. The son of Jonathan was remembered because of a covenant with David, just as we as sons of Adam are remembered because of the covenant of the cross. God the creator saving them by paying a price we could not pay, foretold in Genesis 3.15. All the way back there. He was called into the king's presence. King David caused Mephibosheth to be fetched from exile into the king's presence, just as the Spirit of God draws all sinners toward Christ. And he takes us from where we are, in the pit that we are, in the Lodabar of our lives. He takes us from there. Grace seeks us where we are. Number seven, he was exalted because of the merits of another. Mephibosheth was exalted to be one of the king's sons, just as redeemed sinners are now seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, based on his merits. That's why we're there, and we have become joint heirs with him in his kingdom. Number eight, giving a glorious inheritance. Mephibosheth would eat at the king's table continually. 
just as we will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we will dwell continually with our Lord forever. I don't know about you, but doesn't this stir your heart when you hear these things? It stir your spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us these things in the Old Testament as an example for us living now about the kingdom and the kindness of grace and faithfulness of God toward us now. But wait, there's more. (laughs) We'll double the offer. No. (laughs) Um, Two more things. Number nine, he was subject to persecution and slander. During King David's absence in battles, Mephibosheth was persecuted by his own servants who took his land from him, who lied to King David about Mephibosheth wanting to take the throne over, which was uh, totally false. And this is found in 2 Samuel 16, 1 through 4, and 2 Samuel 19, 24 through 30. We were also so warned by Jesus Christ that those who follow him would be persecuted in this present world. But we see the parallel again. The parallels are all the way through here. Matthew 10, 16 through 23, and Matthew 24, verse 9 tells us about this. The last one escapes the final judgment. In 2 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 9, I'll just summarize what's there. There was a famine in the land for three years. And David inquired of the Lord, why do we have this famine? Why is not the Lord land being blessed? And the Lord told him that it was for Saul's sin in slaying the Gibeonites, breaking a covenant before the Lord that had been established by Joshua between Israel and the Gibeonites. And that story is in Joshua 9, verses 3 through 27. The price for peace was giving seven remaining sons of Saul to the Gibeonites who hanged them as punishment. This included the second Mephibosheth, son of Saul. It included him. But, this, but Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was spared by David because of the covenant with Jonathan. So once again... Similarly, all believers will not be at the final great white throne judgment for unbelievers whose names are not found in the book of life, but rather we will all be with Christ in the new Jerusalem forever. So my notes to myself is, wow, the whole story of Mephibosheth pictures the whole salvation story from the fall to being forever in the house of the Lord. As we hear these things, Our hearts do stir within us. Is the Holy Spirit drawing you into the king's presence as a result of seeing this? Is he drawing you to living in the exalted kingdom life? I have some questions I want to ask you. Musicians, come, come on up. My questions would start out with the obvious. Have you been touched by the story of Mephibosheth? Do you relate to some of the aspects of his life and how they speak things to your life? Do you have need of salvation? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? It's available. 
God is not a God of judgment when it comes to receiving his son. He's, he's, a, he's a God that's full of kindness and grace and mercy. Come into the family. That's what Jesus on the cross was all about. That's what that covenant was all about. He paid a price for which none of us could pay. We could not pay. So God paid it himself with his own son. And if you have never asked Jesus into your heart at this time, this time is the perfect time to do it. We see, we see the, the greatness of the king, the father. We see his kindness. We see his faithfulness to his covenant. Do you need healing? This is also provided for in God's family. It's provided for in the atonement. Do you have needs of inner healing from tragedies in your life like I had? I had great needs for these things. Come and present them to the Lord. The prayer teams come up, please. Come and present these things to the Lord. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with the prayer team members. Do you have needs for provision in your kingdom living? The Lord is here to minister to you. So let's dim the lights a little bit. Come on up, anybody that wants ministering. And as we're ministering, we will soon dismiss the rest of you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your covenant kindness to us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you have pride, you have, you have placed so many examples of how you want to work with your people, your children, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Thank you for the example of of Mephibosheth and David. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the faithfulness of David to keep the covenant. No man, no wonder he was called a man after God's own heart. Thank you for forgiveness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.